praise the Lord. You will find rest in Christ alone. It's interesting if you ever have an opportunity or you have been uh, to the land of Israel, uh, it's interesting when you're over there in that area, especially when you're among some of the sites that are there, some of the towns that have been kind of uh, some of the old uh, remains and some of the old construction of the towns have been unearthed. One of the things that you find all over the ground over there, because they've been pretty much excavated up, but one of the things that you find is all of these small pieces of pottery. They're everywhere. And so as, as, you, as you read and as, as you, you think about that particular day when those were thriving places, a lot of people there, in and out of the towns and the cities. You know, everybody used clay pots. That's, that's how things were delivered. That's how things were stored. That's things, how things were kept. Depending on what the value of them were, depended on the type of pot or vessel that they were contained in. And so what's really interesting is when you're over there and, and you see all of these, the thing that went through my mind is I wonder what some of these if you could put them back together, I wonder what was transported in some of them. But then you start to read the scripture, and Paul makes a reference to earthen vessels. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And I want to just kind of paint a picture for you this morning. I think of where we are. If we're expecting greater things from God, what it's going to take and require, and what is it going to mean on our part, especially when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to, and I would imagine that probably everybody in this auditorium would admit that at some point in time where we stand in great need of today is a great moving of God. But what's it going to take? I mean, what is, it, what, is it, what is it going to take for us to even have a thought of what that might look like? To where when we gather together on Sundays that we're just, it's, it's, it's not just a gathering. That we just, we just come together for the same thing over and over and over again. But to see but to see a moving of God in the hearts of God's people. To see God do a work in the hearts and lives of not only people here in this building, but outside of these walls. And what is, what is it going to take for that to happen? I believe this morning, and I'm, I'm sharing my heart with you today. As we consider the sovereignty of God, which we looked at last Sunday morning understanding that God is absolutely and totally sovereign over all of the universe and everything that is in it. And, and, and why is that? It's because He created it. He spoke it into existence. He formed man out of the dust of the ground as an earthen tabernacle. And so when you consider the magnitude of all that, and you consider the magnitude of who God is and the sovereignty of God, 
And what does that mean? It's just basically he has rule over all of the entire universe and everything that's in it. Why? That's because that's who God is. And so when we come to the point in our lives that we understand who he is, now here's what you have to do is, what is that demand on our part when we understand the sovereignty and the holiness of God and who he is? Well, when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, I want to draw your attention specifically to verse number 7. I believe as we consider the sovereignty of God, that we must also understand the significance of the treasure contained in earthen vessels. And notice as Paul writes, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves not from God I mean not from ourselves but from God and Paul makes that very clear here not of ourselves but totally and completely of God and look at verse number 8 we're afflicted in every way but we're not crushed perplexed but not despairing were persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested or revealed in our bodies so what in the world is this treasure that Paul is speaking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 well, I will say this to you this morning. Let me just give you a description of what that treasure is. It is the priceless, glorious message that the eternal God himself came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, died on the cross, rose again on the third day to provide forgiveness for sin and eternal life for all who repent and believe. That's what the treasure is. That's what the treasure is. So as believers this morning, not only do we understand what the sovereignty of God is all about, but do we fully understand what it is that we possess and have with inside of our earthen vessel. These earthen vessels were pretty much just kind of run of the mill. They were pretty thin. They were easy breakable. They were easy to break. And so when we consider the magnitude of this treasure that has been placed in earthen vessels, that we have the ability to be able to have within ourselves earthen tabernacles that have been easily broken, that have been easily abused and misused and all of those things. And Paul goes through and he, he gives this description about what happens in this earthly life that we have. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And my dear friend, as we think about this and understand that that treasure that we have within sight of us, the magnitude of that, the priceless treasure of the glorious gospel, we carry that. Matter of fact, I wonder sometimes if we get the full magnitude of what Paul said when he says, we have been entrusted with the gospel. Entrusted with it. 
And so the question becomes is, do we understand the sovereignty of God and then do we fully understand and appreciate this treasure that we have inside of these earthen vessels that we have been trusted with when it comes to the gospel? I honestly believe, however, that we have come to the place in our lives and in our churches today where we need a spiritual stirring. I think that's just where we are. And Brother Robert, what do you mean by a spiritual stirring? Have we reached the place, have we come to the place today where we're just kind of comfortable and complacent? We're just kind of comfortable with things. We're, we're complacent with things and where they are. Have we come to the place where we've really allowed apathy to fill our hearts? and our minds I hear people say this all the time and this is what is disturbing to me especially from believers today it's what's the use and what I hear more of today than anything else which is, which is just mind boggling and earth shattering to me is a matter of fact I just dealt with it just this past week towards the end of the week yeah we used to be involved in church we don't go anymore yeah, we, we, listen, we were there every time the doors were open, but we don't go anymore. So why is that? And so this morning, the question that I, that I pose to you is this. How important is the sovereignty of God? How important is this treasure that we have in earthen vessels? How important is the commission that we have been given as people of God to carry this gospel message that we have been entrusted with to all of those around us how important is that in our list of priorities in our lives today when we understand I, I, listen I don't think anybody in here has any difficulty understanding the sovereignty of God I mean, when you look at the James Webb Telescope, some of the images that are coming back that they're beginning to process, and you see the magnitude of multiple universes out there and the stars and everything that God has created. Let me ask you a question. Does it move you to the, to the day that, that is going to come in your life where you will stand before the one who created all that there is? And then the question at that time becomes is, well, how important was the work? I mean, yeah, God's important and creation is important, but how is important? How important is the work to us? And the magnitude of this treasure that we have in earthen vessels. Have we come to the place that simply all the gatherings that take place across this country today? We're just meeting to go through the motions each week as we gather as the people of God. Sure, we can take and we can program it all out and put it all together. And don't get me wrong. God is a God of order, not of confusion. So sometimes you need some sense of order. But Mark, listen, here, here's, here's what I'm concerned about today is we've come to the place where we've about programmed the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit out of our gatherings. I don't know how many of you 
But all this week, let me tell you something. Yesterday, the Lord and I had a talk yesterday. The whole time I was outside, I was just, I was mesmerized by just all that was taking place. And I stood out as a thunderstorm was passing around and lightning was going everywhere. And I'm just at the magnitude of it. And thinking of who he is. And as an earthen vessel, I have been entrusted with the priceless treasure of the gospel. For what? For just me? For just me? I don't think so. So what is it going to take? What, what do I feel like it's going to take? And let me tell you something. It starts right here with me. So what is it? What is it going to take? I mean, it's, I understand. It's one thing to understand the sovereignty of God. But if it does not move us to a serious return to personal holiness, I don't think we're ever going to see a moving and a stirring that we're looking for. Personal holiness. What do you mean by that? If we're not careful we reach a point where the word does not make it past our head to reach into the deep crevices of our heart where change needs to happen and take place. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm chapter 66. Hope you have your Bibles. We're going to go on a journey. Psalm chapter 66. You say, oh, there goes Brother Robert again going back to the Old Testament. Yeah. You remember what Paul said? Paul said it was given to us as, a, as an example. To read it, to study it, to understand what was, what was Israel's problem. Why did Israel go into captivity to Assyria? The prophets over and over told them it was because of your pride and your arrogance. Your self-sufficiency. I mean, if we come to the point today to where pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency has overcome who we are as the people of God. Psalm chapter 66, Psalm 66 and verse 18, and notice as the psalmist writes, he says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard, he has given heed to the voice of my prayer, blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his loving kindness from me let me tell you what the the statement that is made here in that verse of Psalm 66 is if I regard wickedness in my heart God will not hear go to Isaiah chapter 59 Isaiah chapter 59 Isaiah chapter 59 from the prophet Isaiah. Dealing with the subject of the separation from God, Isaiah chapter 59. I want you to notice verse 1 and verse 2. I think this is where we find the reason. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear but 
I want you to notice the next words, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Whose? Ours. Between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That's from the prophet. And let me say this this morning. And, and, okay. Here, here's what I want you to understand. Okay. This message this morning has been directed towards me. You're just getting it. There is nobody who loves the church more than I do. And there is no one who loves the Word of God more than I do. But I think if we're not careful, all of our programmed prayer strategies and meetings will do very little without a move first to profound repentance. See, that's a word nobody likes to talk about is repentance. What do I need to repent from? Let me ask you a question. What don't we need to repent from? Let's go to Hosea chapter 10. If you can find Daniel, you can find Hosea. Hosea comes right after Daniel. Hosea chapter 10. You know, the ground gets hard sometimes when you go to plow. Anybody ever experienced that? Hard ground. Just whole hard fallow ground. You got to try to bust it up. How many of y'all have ever used a tiller across some ground and all the tiller wanted to do was sit there and bounce across it? Huh? Yeah, I have. Notice what the prophet Isaiah says in verse 12 of chapter 10. He said, Sow with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness. He says, To break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord. Until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Let me ask you a question. Can our hearts get calloused? They can. Can our hearts get hard? They can. Can we get to the place that we think we can just program where we need to go and where we need to be? See, I used to be on that side. Well, I tell you what, just get a bigger program, everybody's going to come. My dear friend, listen to me, please, from my heart to you. 
as believers. We need to fall in love with the sovereign Lord and Master and surrender ourselves to His leading and seek for the moving of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. Now, are all programs bad? No. All curriculums bad? No. Don't, okay, don't say, oh, Brother Roberts, totally against... No. But when they become the first place, it's out of order. God must be first. The Word of God must be first. Let's go to James chapter 4. I'll go to the New Testament now. It's not just in the Old. Look at James chapter number 4. James chapter 4. Beginning in verse number 7. There's a word at the beginning of verse number 7 that we all struggled with. That we all struggle with. Do you see it? You want to know what the word is? Submit. To submit to what? Submit therefore to God. You know, I hear people use this verse all the time. Here's what they do. All you got to do is believe, just resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Why do you only use, why do you only use half the verse? You leave out the most important part. It's at the beginning of it. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And then he'll what? Then he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. And let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. You know, how do we see sin today? Sin should not be looked out. Or sin should not be seen. It's just, well, it's just the way things are. Personal holiness begins with seeking in our own hearts and searching. For, for what purpose? For what reason? You see, cleansing and holiness are both necessary for a love relationship with the Holy God. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter number 3. Cleansing and holiness. 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter number three, and let's uh, begin, and let's let's just start with verse one. First John chapter three. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called the children of God, and such we are. 
For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Can you imagine that? Huh? This treasure in earthen vessels, in the weakness of these earthen vessels, when the day comes that Jesus Christ comes to take his bride and to take us home, when we're transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, now as the bride of Christ, and we will see him and we will know him, and are you ready for this? This priceless treasure in earthen vessels, in earthen vessels. We're an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ if we have suffered with him. When we surrender and submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, do you understand that that comes as a result of his grace and his love and absolutely nothing within ourselves that could ever bring that to be? When I think about my own salvation personally, there, there's, not a, there's not enough days left in my life. And I'm a young guy. And I get younger every year. I told one f person this morning, I went to shake their hand and they go to stand. I said, you don't need to stand, you can be seated. Well, I was always taught to stand. And I said, well, you're my elder. I'm not your elder. I said, but you will always be older than I am. So when we think about our age and in my life, and I consider where I am now, now all of a sudden, instead of looking at all of the years I have left possibly to accomplish something, I start realizing that those are getting fewer and fewer. Let me tell you something that begins to come home to me. My race, this journey, is soon coming to an end. So when I think about my own salvation in my life, I look back over all of those years that to me, I said, what God possibly could allow to have occurred if I wouldn't have been so stubborn and obstinate and thick-headed, know-it-all, prideful, self-arrogant. You want me just to keep going with the list? Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. You see, returning to a life of personal holiness it's not a new program. 
when you go read and study the word of God it begins all the way in the book of Genesis and goes all the way through the book of the Revelation it's obedience it's the heart let me tell you what it's a heart issue here's what the scripture says about our heart it is desperately wicked it seeks to satisfy itself in all that in all that we do so how do you start on this journey I mean how how, how do you walk down a journey such as this how, how do you how do you walk toward personal holiness in your own life well turn with me to Psalm 139 and this is where it begins but let me caution you with something don't ask this if you're not prepared to deal with it when it comes it's called personal holiness what's really interesting is three major thoughts in two verses here Psalm 139 beginning in verse 23 the very first two words is search me who to search who does the searching our prayer is for God to do the searching and searching where well notice what it says and know my what let me share something with you he already knows your heart he already knows your heart and are you ready for this God already knows those things that are in your heart so the prayer is, search me, O God, and know my heart. Because as a result of what is in your heart comes the next part of this request. Try me. And know my anxious thoughts, or to know my thoughts. Are you ready for this? He already knows them. He knows the very deepest thoughts of, of who you are. I mean, that's who he knows. He knows the deepest recesses of our heart. Listen to me, God already knows that. So what is the purpose of asking him to search me and to try me? It's so that we know what they are. Because notice verse, the last part of verse, or notice verse 24. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. In other words, search me, try me, basically allow me to see, and then lead me in the everlasting way or in the way that's right. Is that our desire? Let me tell you something, that gets tough. Because sometimes what the Holy Spirit may revealed to us you know it's kind of like having this house as a Christian as a believer it's like it's like having this house it's got six rooms in it and we invite the Holy Spirit to have free control of our lives and surrender to his leading and so Holy Spirit you can have access to every single room in my house with the exception of one 
and that's mine. You can't go in that room because there's just some things there that are off limits. Folks, listen to me. There is nothing off limits with God. You say, why is that? He already knows it. He already knows it. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Will fall into calamity. Is it easy to get a hard heart when it comes to the things of God, especially in the church, the Christian life? Is it easy to get and develop a hard heart? Listen to me, please. It is. It is. And I understand that. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. I've had people tell me and ask me, said, Brother Robert, do you think we'll ever see a moving of the Holy Spirit again in our churches? And I said, I think sometimes it's up to us. How many times have we desired to be used by God, but our life is not to the place that it needs to be for Him to use us? You know, unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin in our lives, the relationship between us and the Father can't be where it needs to be. And if you're here today and don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is not one there. Because there is only one mediator between man and God, and that's Jesus Christ himself. And so without Jesus Christ, there is nothing there. So I'm not sure about where you are in your life as a believer today, but I, I will say this to you. God is still on the throne. God is still working in the hearts and lives of people. But if we want to be a part of that, I think it's going to take some actions on our part. Amen?
So, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And of all the things that he went through and he described, and let me say this to you this morning, we might be knocked down, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to feel defeated because our victory is found in Jesus Christ. So may we be losing the battle here. It may seem that way sometimes, but I will say this to you, that the victor himself will accomplish his will. And he's going to accomplish his will one way or the other, either with us or without us. And I don't know about you, but I just want to be with him. Amen. Have we seen God move? We have. Have we seen the working of God in the hearts and lives of people? We have. Can we stand here this morning and praise the Lord for all he has done for us? We surely can. And let me say this to you this morning. If for no other reason than to praise him for the treasure that we have in this earthen vessel. So, Brother Robert, I know y'all are looking at me like, Are you okay? I am. But I just have this overwhelming burden in my heart to see the Holy Spirit move in His people to do a work that we could never do apart and on our own. 